Coming up next on the Holistic Wealth Podcast. As a child, you know, the messages really were, especially with my mom, who was a very devout Catholic. If you think about money at all, it's sinful. You know, it's it's you are a bad person. That is the kind of the devil, if you will, right? And so just the idea of abundance was sort of off limits, right? And then at the same time, there was just a feeling of not enough, right? So, oh, we can't afford that. So there was that feeling of lack that was just pervasive in there. And then I think the real, almost the deepest root in my family line was a deep, deep unworthiness. You're listening to the Holistic Wealth Podcast with host Keisha Blair, author of Holistic Wealth and founder of the Institute on Holistic Wealth. And now here's your host, Keisha Blair. Welcome to the Holistic Wealth Podcast. And I'm your host, Keisha Blair. And today we have an amazing guest with us. We have Sarah Connell, and Sarah is a best-selling author and founder of Thought Leader Academy, where she helps coaches, writers, and entrepreneurs become successful published authors and in-demand speakers. Sarah, it's so amazing having you here. I watched the Oprah Winfrey episode with you and your wonderful family. During that video, there's this line that you mentioned in the interview where you said many people go in to have their babies and they walk out, you walked out with death certificates. And in an instant when you said that, I remember walking out of the hospital when my husband died with his belongings in a white scandal bag. Now, Sarah, honestly, can you start there and tell us the story from the very beginning in terms of what happened. Yes. And, and, um, it's, it's a, it's going to sound a little like science fiction meets a miracle, but we think of it in our family as a miracle. My husband and I, you know, we definitely always want to have children, right? We were one of those couples that's just envisioned a family. And, um, we, my first book is about the seven year journey we took to from like, let's, let's make a baby, you know, that moment that, you know, choose it. Obviously some people have it as an unexpected surprise, but consciously choosing it um, until, until our son was born. And we we just went through, um, a really like protracted, challenging experience of trying to have a family. We had some fertility issues. We did, I think, eight rounds of IVF once by the time we got through it all. And in our first pregnancy, we were pregnant with twin boys, got really far along in the pregnancy. And then I went into premature labor and the twins were stillborn. And so that was, it was a gutting anyone that's lost someone, right? It's, talking about your husband, like it breaks us open, right? Yeah. It's a huge loss. And and so we were still though very committed. We grieved and, you know, we're like, we still want to have a family and a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. We did more procedures. And the wild thing is all while this was going on, my mother and I who had a really challenging relationship for like a decade, you know, we'd had a really hard time sort of navigating through just a lot of the dynamics in our family. I'm sure it's like if we were in a live room, we could yes. ask your audience, like anyone have challenges in their family? Yeah, lots of us, right? Yes. And so there was just a lot of, of of stuff that hadn't been dealt with, a lot of trauma from my past and trauma in the family and different things. And so my mother and I had really been forging a new relationship during when this was happening. And she so wanted, you know, for us to have a family, was really rooting for us. And we'd really healed a lot of things in our relationship. So she would call me and say, I just want a vision. I, I'm, you know, looking into turning 60, not too far down the road. And I, I, I'm not a woman that's going to go just sit and retire and play golf. Like it's just not who I am, but I don't know. I need a, I need a vision. And, and then she started coming to workshops that I was giving as a coach, made a vision board. And she's like, this is so weird. I don't believe in any of this. And she'd put this pregnant woman on the vision board and she was thinking of that as putting it for me. Like I'm going to have my grandchild, you know? 
um, holding that vision for me. And one day, and then she was really there for me to talk about all the pain that, that we were experiencing in, in our pursuit of, of our vision of family. And one day she just was taking a shower. She says, I had told her, you know, just put the vision board up somewhere. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to just put it somewhere. And suddenly this wave goes through her and she saw herself offering to be our surrogate. Now, this woman is almost 60, right? And she heard of some postmenopausal woman. She menopause for 10 years. And, but she'd heard about this postmenopausal woman giving birth. And it just suddenly something kind of like she said, it all sort of ratcheted in. And she was worried, you know, would I be upset? I was like, oh my God, is this even possible? So we go to the doctor, assuming they will call the psychiatric ward and sort of say, God, you've been through a lot, but no. And it was this wild moment. Like our doctor explained to us that the woman's uterus actually doesn't age. The eggs, yeah, right? You understand we have a biological clock, but the uterus, depending on if a person is fit and healthy, is actually completely functional. Um, if, if you're lucky enough to you know keep your healthy uterus. And right. so they did a whole bunch of tests on her blood pressure, heart, and everything. And my mother is the reason my son, who is now 12, came into the world in his super with his super grandma. She was our gestational carrier, which just essentially means it was my egg, husband's sperm. So we would make jokes. She'd be like, you know, it's like he's in your old room. You know, (laughs) you got to laugh when you're going through something like this. And she is doing great, right? It's been 12 years. My son is going to be, he knows all about it because we didn't want to have it be weird secret when he's 18, like, by the way. And uh, she just feels like it was the most liberating thing she ever did. She has gone to Haiti and built houses. She's gone on vision. She's just like, she was a woman who never, ever did anything that wasn't by the book, Mm -hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And now she's like, I don't care. I'll do whatever yeah. I want. Like it just freed her. Yeah. And she's more vibrant in her early 70s now than like she's ever been. So inspiring. And so was that what led you down this path? Because I think you mentioned you were coaching before. Yeah. So did it then evolve further, deeper? Well, what it let me do is is publish that first book. And so yeah. I was a writer over here and a and a women's life coach over here. And I love both. I yeah. always coaching. I've always loved writing. And when that first book got to come out, you know, we did get on Oprah and the New York Times and all these very exciting things when you're a writer that you you love to have happen. Yeah. I really got clear because 20 years ago now, so whatever, that was 10 years then, I read a book that saved my life. It, it changed the trajectory. It was a book called Holy Hunger. I always need to remember to name it, you know, yeah. by Bill and Jonas. And um, it really put me on my initial path to healing and trauma, opened up that healing with my mom, all these things. And so when I got through that experience, I just felt a deep calling to make sure that I devoted the rest of my life to helping particularly women who have a voice, a message, a story to share, to make sure that they got that message into if they wanted it to be a book or a TED talk or a social media platform, or, you know, we call it thought leadership, right? So that's really what came out of that experience is like, you know, I now have a process. I know and I went back to grad school, got, I mean, I, you know, I did a bunch of stuff in that time so I could be the best possible thought leader coach and book coach that I could be. And then I just really merged my worlds. And we have just had the honor of working with just these phenomenal, incredible coaches and experts and moms and activists and, you know, you know, incredible people who, you know, right now, like a few people, I don't know if anyone listening, but it's like a few people know about you. You know, you're extraordinary. You know, you're on purpose. It's like, you just know that there's a bigger stage. Yeah. And that's what I love getting to be a channel for. Absolutely. And so Sarah, how do you do that? And how do you get these wonderful, amazing women 
to get on that bigger stage. Cause like thought leadership has really evolved. And I feel like with social media, like everybody's become like some semi sort of guru. Right? It's like, right. everybody just Everyone's put like, up a social media. Account. Like exactly. I just know I'm an influencer, right? Totally. Exactly. totally. So, you know, really, I believe we sort of have a, like a five pillars, you know, or if you want to say our five, I think of them as a beautiful circle. That's why I'm kind of drawing a circle here um, where they all lead into each other because we have some people that come in and like really want to launch a podcast. Other people really want to do a TED talk. Other people want to really monetize their mission. So, you know, create amazing. This is the holistic wealth, right? We're talking yes. about like holistic wealth here. And um, I love that so much because to me, richness, you know, I wrote the science of getting rich for women as yes. a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a dialogue with the original Wallace Waddles book, the science of getting rich, because it's very old white man, you yes. know, from the twenties. And I was like, really translating. I want a book with women. I want women of color. I want my yes. story. I want like, I want underrepresented voices. I want women of different abilities. Like I want a chorus of the women now who are building wealth from purpose, building wealth from a, a desire to do good in the world, right? And so we just, we help people write a best-selling book or if they don't want to write a book, articles or blogs, you have some form. I believe writing is, again, it saved my life. It's a powerful, powerful medium. And so everyone in our community, they get to work with a professional writing coach and editor on our team who guides them because most of our clients have never written before. You know, they're not professional writers. They don't want to be, they, they're, they're on a mission. And then we talk about speaking, whether that's podcasting, whether that's being guests on other people's podcasts, for some, it's wanting to be on conference stages, get paid to speak. Other people, it's like community groups, libraries. Like, so it's really by identifying a speaking vision and then audience building. Because like I said, a huge, I don't know how it's been for you at the podcast, but like, I think a big, big challenge for those of us that, you know, are movement leaders and, and thought leaders. It's like, how do you get the people you're here to serve to know about you? Exactly. So we really work on building on social media, building email lists, building, but also my favorite is leveraging other people's audiences because it takes a lot to build up 100,000 followers on Instagram or something. Oh, yeah. But if you can start to create mission bridges and strategic partners with other wonderful leaders, then you can be in front of each other's audiences and it's going to exponentially, it's going to be like compound growth instead of, addition, we're multiplying and, and square rooting and that kind of thing. And then we talk about monetizing the mission. I know you've had Rachel Rogers on. You're like, I am mm -hmm. passionate that women become empowered with money because I wasn't. Came from a family, there was a lot of unworthiness, lack mentality, poverty mentality, you know, belief that there's not enough, that money is bad. It's not, I was raised very religious and, and it was not okay to even want money or wealth. And so I'm really, you know, women lost $800 billion in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. That's the number. That's why I wrote that book. I was like, I know I'm not going to be the solution, but I can do something to be part of a solution here. And it's so extraordinary. The women that go through, you know, our, our abundance accelerator, which is just that part of, of uh, the book, you know, they've all generated in groups of 20 and they all generate a million dollars every time we run the group for one month. It's like an additional income. Like it's just so thrilling. Like, we can break those ancestral cycles. Oh yeah, we absolutely can. And I'm glad you brought up that point now because I just wanted to ask you to, if you could delve deeper into your own money journey, you mentioned yeah. a lot of things Ooh. right there. And I'd love to hear more about that because I'm so passionate like you because of, I think both of our experiences, they're not the same, obviously, but 
similar and rooted in a similar mission. So can you tell us more about your money story and what that was like? For sure. You know, it was so interesting because I did, I was very privileged to grow up with, like I had enough food, you know, I did have a home, like there, you know, there are people that didn't have any of those things, right? I'm very aware. And what the message that I got, the messages as a child, you know, when you do, if any of you, any of us have done that kind of money work and money beliefs, it's like, you know, the messages really were, especially with my mom, who was a very devout Catholic. And, you know, it was just, if you think about money at all, it's sinful. You know, it's, it's, you are a bad person. That is, that is the kind of the devil, if you will. Right. And, um, and so just the idea of abundance mm-hmm. was sort of off limits. Right. And then at the same time, there was just a feeling of not enough. Right. So, mm-hmm. just like, oh, we can't afford that or we can't, you know, so there was this, there was that feeling of lack that yeah. was just pervasive in there. And then I think the, the real, almost the the deepest root in my family line was a, a deep, deep unworthiness. Yeah. A deep unworthiness from, you know, in in a different capacity than other people, immigrant family, um, like you're nothing, you don't deserve anything. And then I think as a woman, I took on cultural and religious ideas of less than, you know? And so all of that sort of you know, gets in there, right? In our subconscious, we don't even know what's going on. It's like in our subconscious mind, right? And suddenly it's no surprise that I'm living, you know, I always say to people um, when we do money work in our community, it's like, if we want to know what story we're running, because, you know, I tell it in form of what, whatever narrative we have about money is yeah. what lay out in our bank account, right? And it's like, all we have to do is look at our current situation and, and then do the work of what would someone who created this situation probably believe? Okay, well, they probably believe there's not enough, or they probably yeah. believe they deserve it, or they probably and I don't know, if, you know, if that's been a, a route that you've worked on, but I mean, the unworthiness is so insidious; it's so unconscious. So much of the time, we think, "Oh no, I don't believe that way," but then when we really examine, so it, I really worked on. Um, I think of abundance as a language, so I spoke the language of lack for a long time. I was that was my native tongue as I grew up in my house, yeah. and then it was about really reprogramming my entire brain. I'm very into neuroscience. I'm very into spirituality. Like I use all the levels of basically saying, you know, the opportunity here is for me to really reprogram all those, release those old beliefs. I mean, my father was almost a priest and took a vow of poverty. Like that's in our family line, like actually took it a vow is. of poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't think that's affecting like the next generation. Like, yeah. So yeah. I put eating and epigenetics and neuroscience and is that everything. We have neuroplasticity. We can revise any belief, any trauma. And and I also, I want to speak to this for just a moment. I'm curious if you run into this in, in your leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, I also, as a child, you know, I had, I was, I was sexually abused. I was raped. Like I had things that happened where I, I now fully, I want to fund a study on this. I'm yeah. really interested in funding a study, but I believe there is a correlation between childhood trauma and earning mm-hmm. because the the message I took from those experiences was I'm broken. Yeah. I'm bad. Yeah. I don't deserve anything good or otherwise this wouldn't have had, you know, kids, they, you know, kids make up something to try to feel desperately in control, but of course make up a really crappy story. You know, we want to like Absolutely. run to them and like be like, no, no, that's not, these people are just really sick. Like don't take that on. Right. Yeah. But, did and I and it and it was so I think weirdly one of the best wealth moves that we can ever make, at least for me, was healing the trauma. Absolutely. And you know, it's so funny you say that, Sarah, because I found that too, as I did more of this work 
with my community and my students because we we recently launched a trauma of money certificate certification oh. program at the Institute okay. on Holistic Wealth. And you mentioned wow. that research that there should be studies. I did so much research into that. And you are absolutely right that childhood victims of trauma are and do are more risk averse. They take less risks and they carry the trauma over into their financial lives, into their yes. entire lives. And I cite in my program, victims of war, the Holocaust, like yep. childhood victims of all of that. And we go through several different examples of case studies. And you're absolutely right. And it's so funny, right? Because my background, like I'm a trained economist. Right. And like even in my work, like we didn't talk about this stuff when we spoke about money. It was just measuring productivity, right. widgets, measuring how yep. much money. And yep. I thought like, I know what I went through with, with my tragedy. There has to be far more to this. And you know, it's amazing how you brought up even the spiritual part and the mindset work and neuroplasticity, which I also talk about in my book, Holistic Wealth, because I figured I could not just write a money book. Like it had no. to be more about mindset and these types of things, which, you know, comes out more in Holistic Wealth. So I'm so glad when I get guests no. that bring up these topics because we just need more messages like this out there. You know, it's so exciting for someone. There might be someone even listening now who like you and I didn't earlier on. We're just logical people. Look, we're smart. We know how to crunch numbers and make spreadsheets. And you know, you're not ever thinking of like, what are some of the underlying influences? I got asked to contribute a chapter to a book and they wanted me to write about money. And I said, you know what? I'm only going to do this if you'll let me write about money and trauma. Right. That's really the message yeah. I, I felt, felt called to share because I never knew and I blamed myself. Then you probably, it's like, then I don't know those of you listening. It's like, then you go, oh, I'm a failure and I'm bad at this. Yeah. I couldn't why I couldn't earn, you know, and or charge what I was worth or, or or build something. And it's like, oh, well, no wonder. Look what we're running under there. Like, it's exactly. so money negative. We're saying, I want it. And then this part is like, mm, you don't deserve that. Yeah. And everyone deserves it. Everyone deserves it. And especially if you've been through some hell at a younger age, yeah. then you especially get to have a good time now. So true. So true. And there's so much wrapped up in there, Sarah, because I remember how we planned ahead, like my husband and I, before he died, uh, we got our life insurance policies in place, everything we had, our investments. Right? And then after he died, the money just became traumatic. So right. even when there's abundance, there can be huge trauma embedded in that, that we need to work through. And that came through to me so much that when I got together this course, I had to put like, it's unbelievable. And you're so right. When you said to them about that chapter, if I'm going to write about money, I'm yeah. writing about trauma, because whether it's lack or abundance or anything, there's yes. a lot wrapped up in there that we need to unpack. So I'm so grateful that you've brought these points forward because it's so important. And I'm so grateful that you're coaching people through like that. that no one has to do this alone. You've got books and courses where people are trauma informed. I mean, I think it's just so exciting because now people don't have to slog through. I mean, for me, it was decades of like, why won't this piece come together? And I still do the work, right? Because there's yeah. something up now, like we had a situation that was like a financial, I'm going to call it a surprise um, about something that when we were hosting a conference last week and I, I had a victim reaction to it. I really did. I was like, oh, I can't believe. And, and it's like, hey, or what if I'm so resourceful that I will figure it out? Like I'm one with the universe. I'm one with source. Like we'll figure this out. It's okay. Yes. Would I prefer it not to have happened this way? Absolutely. But it's here instead of like just that kind of victim resignation, you know, where you just feel like you take the punch and 
and have to just suck it up. And it's just like, okay, cool. Like this is, I'm going to learn. We're going to grow. We're going to figure stuff out. And so Sarah, are there any other lessons from your book on, you know, like the science of getting rich? Yeah. You know, what I love is I I created an equation because if I'm going to call this book, the science. Yeah. And I need to put, I get to put, and I love, I love learning. I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. I love learning when I read. I like it, whether it's fiction, nonfiction. So one of the things I did, I did interview, um, I had four or five uh, female neuroscientists and I have a section of the book where they really explain these subconscious things and, and much more importantly, how to clear them. And it's like, we made that on the website too, like their demos and stuff. So people can actually do this work with, with support. And because there's so many cool tapping and NLP and hypnosis, and there's all kinds of neat ways we can clear these and reprogram something new. Um, but the equation, I was like, I need to come up with an equation because it's the science of getting rich. So I really, the one I love working with to manifest anything, money, but also anything we want is people have heard the expression, be, do, have. Lots of us have heard that. But I found that there was something missing because I found if you don't release these things that are unconscious, these traumas, then you can't just go right to doing it and having it. So right. my equation is be it. That's more like, what's the vision? You know, like each of us here today, like we know like there's that vision of wealth, whether it's, and again, wealth meeting beyond the money too, of course, like you teach it, but we have a vision. And then we we start to, how do, how do we be it? You know, the year I took our company to seven figures for the first time, I said, every day, I just said, what would the seven figure CEO do? Every day. I just get up and what does she wear? I got rid of everything in my closet. This is so crazy, but it's like, it wow. really does change the energy. I just went through the whole closet and I said, would the seven figure CEO wear this? If yes, it stayed. If not, it got to be a beautiful donation to where there's a women's shelter we love here in Chicago. And, and so it was like, Hey, these, some of these things are still like perfectly great clothes. It's just like, it's not the seven figure CEO. So being it right. Like what, how am I, what's my posture? It's probably not ooh, right. Like, power pose, right? And then releasing, okay, then what are the parts of me that still say, I don't deserve, I can't, it won't work, I'm too old, I'm whatever. Um, Releasing those with these modalities, right? And then the next part of the equation is is doing. So then let's like, what is that? And for each of you, the six figures, the seven, just the wealthy, the free money, freedom self, what does she do? And really starting to do it, which is a crazy game because our mind wants to say, oh, I'll do those actions when I have the money. But what I found is we actually need to flip it and dig. And I don't mean nonsense, like go buy a car we can't afford, you know, right. something silly like that. I don't believe in that at all. But like go test drive it, you know, change around the wardrobe that you already own, you know, to do it. Take bigger risks. Because usually when I ask, what does this version of me do? She's partnering with different people. She's pitching to different podcasts. She's going to call up so-and-so if they do want to collaborate, which, you know, the me that's not there yet would never feel like I could do, Right. So we start taking the actions, the have equals have, right? Be, release, do equals have. That have automatically. Yeah, no, that's absolutely powerful. And I love it. I love it. Sarah. So that's so, our little fun non-math math equation. Exactly. So Sarah, like, can you tell people where to find you in terms of your website? You mentioned some great resources there and in your social media. Totally. So I always love connecting on Instagram. It's just at S-A-R-A. I'm Sarah without an H. So at S-A-R-A. C-O-N-N-E-L-L at Sarah Cannell. Um, our website is just sarahcannell.com, same spelling. And um, there's lots of great free resources there. And the science of getting rich for women.com is a completely free book portal. There's workbook, there's all kinds, you can meet all the women. I had 25 other self-made women millionaires 
you know, featured in that book. Like, so you can hear their stories. You could do these releasing techniques with the neuroscientists. There's just a row of goodies on there. It's all free. And you can just go to the science of getting rich for women.com. Awesome. And Sarah, this was amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your journey and your story and these amazing tips that you shared. Well, I'm excited to stay in connection about pooling our research that we're doing. And then, uh, and then maybe you can come on, uh, come on with our group and we'll do a whole nother episode on our findings. I'm really thankful for the work you're doing in the world. And thanks oh, for having me. Thank you so much for saying that. The Holistic Wealth Podcast with Keisha Blair is brought to you by. Have you joined the Institute on Holistic Wealth? If you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Choose your membership plan at the Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to join. As a member, you'll get access to free worksheets, advice, coaching, and an intentional design workshop. As you start to live a more holistically wealthy lifestyle, you'll want to stay for a very long time. So go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to join. If you haven't read the book yet, pick up a copy of the award-winning best-selling Holistic Wealth 36 Life Lessons to help you recover from disruption, find your life purpose, and achieve financial freedom.